like for breakfast? Okay, we're back. It feels so good, Ricky. I haven't seen you for weeks. It feels like decades. It does. It does. Breakfast has been on hiatus. We've been eating lunch and dinner instead. Yeah. But now. We're sick of that intermittent fasting shit and we're back. Sick of it. Breakfast Breakfast is back. Every Friday. (laughs) Maybe every Friday. Hopefully every Friday. Hopefully every Friday. (laughs) Very good episode this week, Jake. Yeah, we're back back in business and looking good i think back, back with a splash yeah yeah uh really interesting guys very they interesting. Were, yeah i i enjoy them um so we should tell the people who they are they are a company called luminate and they are developing a app like on your phone which can which uses the torch light on your phone and flashes a light in a certain way, which then induces psychedelic slash deep meditative experiences. And people like fully hallucinate and like have emotional experiences. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, they likened it to being in between a meditative state and a psychedelic state, didn't they? Um, and they've done all, all kinds of tests and research and, um, checked out the ECGs and the brain scans and all that stuff that me and Ricky know loads about and, you know, respect fully. So that's good. We do. So without further ado, we give you... (laughs) Jake just cringed at the use of the word further ado. Without further ado, we present to you Tom and Jay from Luminate over for breakfast. Cool. Um, so to kick us off, can you just kind of introduce yourselves and let us know who you are and what magical thing you have created? Oh, that's, that is a good question. Of course, I'm Jay um, and this is Tom and we're the co-founders of Luminate. Um, so I guess just to give a little bit of background. So we met each other at university um, and then we both got jobs as mechanical engineers. We worked as far future designers at Jaguar Land Rover. And while we were there, we kind of we came to the conclusion that we didn't just want to make cars for rich people. We wanted to add a little bit more to the world. So we and we used to live together as well. So we, we started to just have some chats around the dinner table and we're like, if we were going to start a business, what would it look like? And um, the discussions kind of quickly moved on. And it was essentially we wanted to create a business that would help inspire people to live freer and more fulfilling lives. And then the big question was really, what does what does this mean? What does freedom and fulfillment mean? Um, and yeah, hopefully this is this is answering it in the right way. So um, yeah, so essentially, um, we then kind of st- we wanted to kick off this business, and we weren't sure where it where it would go or what it would look like. And we both left our jobs. So Tom um, went on a big trip. So yeah, so I t- went out to Canada. Um, I bought a van and started driving it south. Um, I got a few weeks in before it became more than just an airbed in the back of a cargo van. Um, soon after Burning Man, I met someone who said I could stay outside their house and convert my van properly, which was an absolute blessing. And then I took it all the way down to Chile in the bottom of South America. 
Um, so it was, yeah, a year Quiet on the road. Trip. Yeah. Wow. Um, really cool. <laughs> cheers, man. Um, yeah. And then while Tom was doing that, I flew out to New Zealand and got down to the bottom of New Zealand and I walked, I walked the length of New Zealand, um, which was quite a journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and while we were doing this, we, we started to really kind of want to dig deeper on the question of what fulfillment and freedom means. So we started interviewing people and running loads of research and it very quickly came to this idea of like personal growth, what underpins freedom and fulfillment. So that had given us some real kind of more direction, like personal growth, where we want to focus the business, but it's, it's still was just too big a question. So we started to break it down into different parts, so into a five-stage model. Um, and we became fascinated by the start of the personal growth model, the, the spark of inspiration, that thing that you see or that you experience that changes the way you experience something and changes the way you view something within your life. So we then created an exhaustive list of what we think is exhaustive of all the different ways you can find this kind of new perspective or this spark of inspiration. So from nature to inspiring conversations to kind of poetry to music and one of them was subconscious exploration. This was just one of the categories. And after running loads of market research, we started to find out that people saw a huge amount of value with subconscious exploration, but there weren't any kind of easily accessible ways to do that within kind of the current society. Um, and this became the opportunity that we wanted to focus upon. So we we're like, okay, subconscious exploration, let's see what we can do. Um, and then, yeah, we bought our own EEG um, brain scanning setup and we ran loads of experiments of different ways you can induce an altered state. And one of the ways we came across was neural entrainment, which is where you use a flashing light um, that affects the way it, it creates an altered state of consciousness. And this was that then really when we were like, OK, we know what we do as a business. And we then built this into a group light. So um it's a group light that we can run in sessions of over 30 people um, and it guides you using neural entrainment from white LEDs um, into a state it's somewhere between deep meditation and a semi-psychedelic state. And this was like the, we were all set. And it was funny that just the week before um, our first session, we, me and Tom were chatting and I remember Tom saying, it's strange, we just haven't had any like major road bumps. So like everything's gone really smoothly. And um, I remember thinking, like, yeah, it has, you know. Um, and then COVID hit. <laughs> and, um, that feeling that we made it very quickly <laughs> won. <laughs> um, yeah, very quickly very stranded. But um, also, hey, so it, it sounds like actually COVID might have been a bit of a blessing, though, because it's forced you to create this now other thing, which, which I, I think could be more popular and more grow more than the group yeah. right yeah and from our perspective as well so we set about trying to make this accessible subconscious exploration and as i'm sure we'll get on to in a sec we turned on to making an app so we talked a while before about whether we could create an app version using yeah. the research we put into stroboscopic lighting and the alter state of consciousness we could induce and whether there could be an app variant but it was all so much of an unknown at that point that we decided to leave it to the side for now and focus on the group one. And our hand, yeah, kind of got forced by COVID. And yeah. now that we are where we are, we do genuinely think that that's probably for the best. Um, and yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy journey since COVID started because we canceled, had to cancel all our sessions. Um, and then in kind of, we, were, we just were like, what, what do we do now? And 
yeah, as Tom said, we'd thought about doing a, a, a mobile app before, but neither of us have any had any skills within kind of app development or that side of things. So we're like, okay, let's launch a Kickstarter. And um, we put, yeah, we spent a couple of weeks getting prepared for Kickstarter and launched it um, to try and fund the app. Um, and it was it was a really good experience. We managed to get so much momentum. Um, so many people kind of reached out to us and were like, this is amazing. Like, you guys need to make this happen. Um, and then we didn't meet our target. So we raised um, just under 10,000. Um, and that wasn't enough to fund the app. But we had around kind of somewhere just below 200 supporters and the, the kind of experiencing how excited people were. We're like, okay, let's let's make this happen. How do, how do we make this happen without the money? So we launched into app development ourselves and just um, while locked down, I mean, it, it's not a bad place to start learning, just nowhere to go, learn a bit of coding. So yeah, so we've, we've developed the app all ourselves now um, and we've come in very close to launch, um, yeah. That's really cool. Um, <clears throat> I can't help but think when you talk about when you left Jaguar and went on your two awesome sounding adventures, that is like a big part of your own personal growth model that you've figured yeah. out and and applied to. I, I wondered which came first. Did you go away to find to figure it out and explore? Or did you have an idea that these were the steps one should take and you you were trying it out? Yeah, so, yeah, I think they kind of fit hand in hand. So both me and Jay have always been up for an adventure and always love living in that kind of way. And that's what drew us, I think, towards our vision to achieve this and to have this sort of freer, more fulfilling life. Um, however, we did definitely, I mean, while we were traveling, we were both having weekly phone calls still. Um, I've got loads of little interview recordings from people out in the middle of a plier at Burning Man from all sorts of places where we were still, I mean, we were trying to live our vision to understand it from our perspective and simultaneously understand it from as many different perspectives of people that we were crossing over as we went. Um, so it was really, we saw it as a chance to immerse ourselves both in what we love doing of having an adventure and living this kind of lifestyle and immerse ourselves within our vision statement and try and understand that as well. Um, so yeah, I'd say they both kind of went hand in hand. Yeah, but, but like you say, it is a sort of like, as we've progressed through this kind of business and this process, it is a strange sort of cycle, the fact that we're going through a big personal growth cycle while trying to create something. It's a strange sort of like inception style, like what, what leads what? <laughs> and we're yeah. using some of the products to help us get inspired to try and think of more in different ways. Yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned that uh, obviously the trips were inspiring, um, but the decision to uh, go into kind of altered states of consciousness and develop that must have also been inspired by altered states of consciousness themselves, I would guess. Is that true? Um, so a lot of it comes from the research side of it. So I've been sort of following the psychedelic renaissance movement quite closely and watching how that was moving through. And I think I probably had more of an eye on that than Jay did before we got into the business side mm. of things. And it was something that I really believed in its value and have been keeping very much on top of the scientific papers. and even seeing from people around me the massive effect that these experiences were apparently having on people. 
Um, so yeah, there was definitely an interest and definitely an awareness that these altered states of consciousness could drive these powerful changes in people's lives, both from what I and Jay have seen on the ground level, and then also from this these scientific papers coming through. And to us, I mean, as a startup, the perfect place to be is at the front of a very of a small but rapidly growing movement. And to us, that just jumped out and screamed like, "Now is the time to get involved in this!" Yeah. Like because of our timing i guess we've had the privilege of working with a lot of the leading figures within the renaissance movement um from robin carhart harris dr ben sessa all of these figures who i mean they're the guys who write the papers and at the same time we're chatting to them giving them a go on the stuff that we're developing and working alongside them to improve it all and i think it's just yeah from our experience from reading all this stuff and from yeah. seeing it happen we just thought this is something we really believe in. This is something that's happening now. And this is something that we want to be involved in. And yeah, so we just jumped on that wave. Yeah, I think like, um, yeah, it's a good time to be in it. I, I've been following kind of the psychedelic almost finance and so much investment is going into it. And there's Very lots much. of, yeah, there's like, like psychedelic stock exchange companies now. And it's just yeah, it's, I mean, I think almost on a weekly basis, we get emails from psychedelic investment groups. <laughs> and they're like, can we set up a call? We want to talk to you. We've heard, and we're like, we're not taking investment, actually, guys. We're, we're trying to just do this yeah. off our own back, which I guess has always been something that was important to us. Very in the business. Nice, yeah. um, we very much, as we were so vision-led, we never really wanted to start selling shares and start giving up ownership and the direction and the vision behind it because we wanted to, yeah, keep really true to that. And so that's why we've always favored things like Kickstarter and Patreon to try and keep ourselves afloat and keep this vision running because these are people that are in it for the vision, not in it for the money. Um, and we love that. And that's yeah. Yeah, something really important to us. That's cool. I, I just wanted to ask you, I saw on your website that you had spoken to Imperial College um, psychedelic researchers. Um, just that was pre-COVID, right? So I just wondered if you could tell us what, what was said and how that went. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we were um, from working with Dr. Ben Sessa, uh, who's one of the leading psychedelic researchers, who's just opened a psychedelic Therapy centre. It's just opening. It's just opening. Just, just opening. before Christmas, it should be there. The UK's first. UK's first psychedelic therapy centre in Bristol. Um, and he's been an incredible figure just for his guidance and his um, kind of expertise within our project. And he um, recommended us to go speak with Imperial and share our results because um, we've got a wealth of research. So prior to actually creating these, these products and working on a mobile app, we'd run hundreds and hundreds of hours of EEG testing using stroboscopic lights to look at from a brain point of view um, and brain characteristics and um, uh, yeah, brain waves and, and the neural frequencies, what exactly was happening. And that was what we took to Imperial, really to share what we'd been doing. Um, and they were fascinated by it. Um, there was talk of potentially doing some collaboration, um, but with COVID hitting, everything has really been put on hold. There was a real fascination with them um, the kind of fractal formation. So you, while um, experiencing the, the stroboscopic light, you have fractals forming. 
And um, one of the researchers um, was fascinated by this phenomenon and trying to understand exactly what is causing that. Um, and then we showed the Imperial, we gave them a, a demo of the experience. And um, it, was, it was rather bizarre because um, Robin Carhart-Harris, he um, saw COVID. He saw that as like, uh, he, that formed um, within his vision. And he, he just felt like it just, it just wants to live. And, and like, it, it, that's why it's spreading. Um, was that pre-COVID? Very did it, was, was it, <laughs> did he predict COVID from this? Just pre-lockdown. He saw it coming. Robert Harris is responsible for... But yeah, it was a fascinating discussion. And we are still talking to them. Um, so the researcher who was particularly interested in the basic formations was Christopher Timmerman. So he's been working on, a, he's been leading the DMT research at Imperial. And we, I still chat to him on a semi-regular basis. And yeah, he's been being, been stayed involved with the project as, I mean, so Robin's going to be starting to try out the app pretty soon once we've got the iOS one ready for him. And yeah, most of those guys are still involved and we do still hope to kick off a bit of collaborative research with them in the not too distant future. Great. Um, have you done any research into whether your app um, can help things like depression, similarly to the psychedelic studies? Yeah, so at the moment, we haven't focused on that side of things. So this is something that Ben Sessa really wants to work with us on. Um, at the moment, because neither me or Jay are trained therapists, we've been hesitant at tackling things on the traumatic side um, of, of, of that. And instead, we've been focusing more on the positive personal growth aspects because that's slightly less muddy and difficult waters. Yeah. Um, ben really does believe that this can be used as a tool for things like depression, anxiety, um, alcoholism, all of these different things where psychedelic science has been proving so valuable. And he said that he, once we're ready, really wants to work with us to try and push that side of things. Um, he also completely agrees with us not tackling that ourselves right now. Um, and yeah, so we, we're hoping that in the not too distant future, we will be able to work with him and start tackling these things and start getting some evidence towards the efficacy of being able to run yeah. this and how well it can treat these sort of things. That's really great because I, I think there's, as we've mentioned, the kind of psychedelic uh, renaissance, if you like, and all the new investment and research by things like the MAPS program and um, Imperial College and John Hopkins and places like that. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to talk about something that's kind of struck me as similar. Um, I don't know if you've looked into binaural beats at all um, in terms of like reverse engineering these brains, these brain states. Uh, it struck me as something that was quite similar, um, at least yeah. in the general reverse engineering kind of idea, um, yeah. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that was definitely so. We actually, when we started with the EEG, we didn't think we were going to be using light to guide the brain into the state that we wanted. Um, we actually started off running with sound. Um, and we were testing out binaural beats, we were testing out monaural beats, and we were testing out impulse stimulation and combinations of these different things, um, even creating different sounds within that and seeing how those affected the brain. And we've got, yeah, probably over 100 EEG tests 
looking at different aspects of how sound can guide the brain. Um, on all of them, we did find that they were capable of doing it to an extent. Um, binaural beats was actually, from our research, one of the weakest at being able to influence the brain state. It was also one of the most tolerable when you've got a noise going, it's a little bit less relaxing, even if it is technically more effective. Um, so I can completely see the value in them and why people use them. But I think so based on the level of entrainment that we managed using binaural beats, um, I believe that using the light, it was in the range of about a thousand times more effective. Oh, wow. Um, so we very quickly moved towards the light side of things. And we have tested combinations of using sound and light um, and whether we can entrain to different frequencies on the soundtrack and um, different frequencies using the light side of things. And actually, we found out that in general, it sort of they mess each other up a bit. And it doesn't really work all that well. So we moved away from trying to do any neural entrainment with the sound and instead focused all of that on the light side of things. Um, but yeah, um, we've definitely looked at it and there definitely is value to it. And our results showed that. Um, but in terms of the effectiveness, um, light was just miles ahead for us. And that's why we ended up focusing down that route. Yeah, because we came into this whole kind of project extremely like skeptical and with with our kind of mechanical engineering background it's like we want to see data and i remember we'd done a lot of experiments using the audio and we'd seen some entrainment we're like oh that's incredible like something's happening and then we run our first light one we processed the results and they came up and we're like there was just this spike of exactly where the frequency should be there was a spike and we're like that's not right that's, it was huge it was right? yeah like because the, the audio ones were like this big and it just came out we're like whoa what's happening here so we ran loads of experiments because we thought it could be the light interfering with the eeg we were just like this can't be right this can't be right so we ran loads of experiments with things in between the light and yeah and we were like yeah. no that that is that is actually happening in the brain yeah because it was i think the conclusive test that we had there was we actually blindfolded the participants so they yeah. were still sat in front of the light with the eeg on and we blindfolded the participant and as soon as the blindfold was removed those spikes appear as soon as the blindfold goes on, vanish. Yeah, well, um, and we were like, wow, we are actually controlling the brain right now. <laughs> and there was a very surreal feeling because obviously all the early tests were kind of just us two in a dark, dingy room. And we'd, set, we'd be setting the frequency for each other's experiments as well. <laughs> so there's this kind of weird feeling of like, so now I'll set Jay's brain to that. <laughs> and yeah, it was kind of bizarre, but kind of magical. For, yeah to be jumping into and seeing that happening. It must have been intense doing so many tests on yourself, kind of all in a row. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it was so intense, yeah. Um, and, and we had this process. So when we started out, we're like, between tests, we want to make sure that we set to like a, a state that we're comfortable with, like resets, we'd have a little walk around the house. But then we, we had to then complete one game of Minesweeper. Um, and at this point, we thought, oh, that's a really good idea. It gets you focused, it gets you not thinking about it. But, but after like a few months, of, we were just, I'm never playing Minds TV. Yeah. Like, I would hate to think how many Minds we swept. <laughs> um, it would be a bit, and then there was our least favorite experiment as well, which we thought was going to be our favorite oh, experiment. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we wanted to see what the effects of other, other substances would have with this. So we did one experiment where we consumed a load of caffeine 
and then measured what happened. And another one where we thought, okay, so caffeine is a stimulant. Let's get a depressant on board as well. So we did a load, of, a bit of alcohol as well. Um, <laughs> so Jayla, I, I was unfortunately the one who designed this experiment. Um, and we'd I'd done all the protocol. We even had looking at the onset time of alcohol, so it would be timing it at the peak, and we were managing that through how many units at that point. When do you have to consume them? And we had it all written down to the point that it was like everything had to happen on the buzzer, sort of thing. And I'd completely misjudged how fast you want to be drinking. And we were there just like smashing rum down ourselves. And you're just sat the, we were just sat in the experiment, like feeling like we were going to be sick, just like all in a bit of a daze. Yeah. Um, it was, I think it was, I think you worked out to be like nine units in half an hour. Um, which, which when I, I was running the experiment for Tom with like a pint, just like, oh. <laughs> Um, but yeah yeah on, a, on an interesting note on that alcohol turns out it's like putting a wet blanket over the whole thing the brain doesn't react you just don't get the experience it's it was such like it was a, such a surprise to us it was mm -hmm. the first time we'd run an experiment where you were just sat there and you were like stop flashing a light in my face this is really annoying um and it just didn't work caffeine on the other hand actually gives it a little boost um, so the brain goes slightly closer to a classic psychedelic state, um, not by a huge margin, but there's yeah, a measurable mm. impact there. How close to kind of classic psychedelic states do you think it is and is it kind of? So I guess so there's in terms of so neurologically, I would say it's probably if you had deep meditation, and you had classic psychedelics, we're probably almost halfway in between the two, I, I would describe it as. Um, so the visual side, once you've got a high, either a highly accurate phone with the app side of things or the group light, um, it really is these rich, immersive vi um, visuals, um, normally fairly simple geometries. So typically what we see is people getting these highly colored, vivid fractals, like a sort of multi-planar kaleidoscope that's constantly shifting in front of them. They often feel like they're moving through this space, flying around it as if they're like a, like a bird floating through this space. Um, people, every single person in our experiments reported some effect on their ego. So it's some detachment from their sense of ego and almost all reported a, a significant reduction in sense of body and time as well. Um, some people reported some far more intense visuals. So one example with the group light we had, well, we've already said Robin's about seeing coronavirus, <laughs> um, but we also had someone saying that they saw a hand reaching out of a fireplace, handing them a note. So these really vivid, like dreamlike, real visual experiences, and I've had it what did Personally, the note say? Sorry, can I just ask? Um, they never, they never <laughs> told us. They never told us what the note said. We're a, still waiting. Yeah. Hopefully I'll get in there and see a note soon too. Yeah. Um, and personally, I've had like a flashback to being in like my childhood chemistry lab and it very and for a brief moment it looking and feeling like I was there. So these complex visuals are possible, but more on the rare side. And the sort of state of body and mind is very much like this sort of deep meditative state. Once the light goes off, we actually leave a, a sort of minute or two before any interaction just to sort of sit there with those thoughts and slowly ease people back into the space as it is. I mean, we had someone come along to a group session recently who's a really experienced yeah. meditator 
who said it kind of what you yeah you, so, so they they they'd been really really into meditation um and then they'd, they'd had a break so i think it'd been a year since they'd meditated seriously um and they said in terms of the the space they got to they said it felt like if they were meditating every day for kind of three weeks like and they kind of experienced meditating it felt like the state they could get to after weeks and weeks of meditating um they just got to instantly when um like after just a minute with the light on which which that's always been what we've kind of thought it does um but to hear it from someone who's experienced within the space and they came out with that without us asking we were like wow that's actually that's amazing to hear like um yeah yeah i think so one gap that i believe that we do kind of have to stop it from being a fully fledged psychedelic experience and um, so we have got a measurably heightened cross-functional connectivity which is when different parts of the brain start talking to each other and, and you start getting information information presented in a novel way and that ultimately is what's driving the colors and the sort of fractal side but within a full-blown psychedelic experience that's really ramped up to another level. So there is far more interaction of the different brain regions and that occurs on a far deeper level. And that's something that we're still looking at and still working on and seeing if we can heighten. Because I think that in terms of key metrics in how ours functions compared to a classic psychedelic state, that's probably the main one that we would want to work on and would want to boost to try and edge closer. Um, yeah, definitely, yeah. and. Um, yeah, no, I think that covers it. Yeah. Um, have you seen any differences between the group sessions and the, the individual sessions? Um, yeah. So, so the group sessions, so they're kind of, they're quite different in format because um, the group sessions, it's an hour session where we do it as a three part, three parts of the sessions. So we have intention setting and uh, the light experience and then um, an integration period. And like there's so much value in the group exercise at the end. So we have people share their experiences and things um, and talk about what they went through, what intention they went in with and like any any realizations or if there was anything meaningful within the experience. And really that kind of shared experience is something that's just incredibly powerful. Um, and what people take away from the sessions is kind of a lot of the value is often driven from this end where you share and you listen to other people. Um, in terms of like the visual experiences, if you have a high performing um, phone, and that is one issue we're kind of having, especially um, within the Android space and with older phones, the strobe accuracy um, isn't as precise as we need it because th there's no reason why um, phone makers would make these like nanosecond and millisecond controls of a flash. It's just something that like you don't need every day on your phone. Um, but we are finding that the visual experience is extremely comparable between like high performing phones or good performing phones in the group experience. Yeah, because I had a go on the latest iPhone yeah. today, um, which is the first time we've managed to get our hands. So we've the, the, the iOS app is just on the making at the moment. And I had my first session with the latest iPhone with the latest code. And that visual experience, I would almost go as far as to say it was more intense than the group than the group one, which is the first time I've ever been able to say that about mm. any of the phone's performance. Um, it was really quite something. So yeah, we're super excited super about excited. that. And we're still, so we still got a bit of work on the Android side to get consistency across devices. And that's something that we're still really working on. Um, but the majority of Android devices still 
do give a very, very clear shift in consciousness. And virtually all of them do still have these colored patterns and these colored fractals coming through. And we do still believe that they are really valuable for what they're doing. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was also worth saying within the app, yeah. we have also got the integration and the intention setting. It's just in a slightly, slightly different shape and form. Yeah. Um, so right now within the app, we sort of do guided intention setting where we just talk, where we've got these sort of voice tracks. And then the integration, we ask people to reflect on it. And we've got a journal entry section where people can make a note of what it is. In the future, we'd love to start expanding this. And we think that that idea of being able to share your experience with someone is just super exciting mm -hmm. and powerful. Um, so we really want to look at whether we can create a live chat or a forum sort of aspect where you can upload and share your experience with people around the world who are using this app and talk about it and discuss it and really add that level of integration and building it into your life a bit more and sort of trying to take that aspect from the group sessions and map it over. Um, also in the group sessions, we're able to play with a couple of other things. So we did quite an extensive study into how scent affects the brain. Um, so I'd always kind of thought, so um, we, we come to everything with an engineering skepticism, um, <laughs> is probably worth putting out there. And I'd always thought that most of aromatherapy and things like that was not very grounded in science and didn't really have much behind it other than opinions and thoughts, which are valuable and powerful in their own sense, but not necessarily grounded in science. But I was amazed to find that especially lavender, there is a huge wealth of scientific research about the power of that to affect your brain waves. Um, there's, there's experiments with mice, there's experiments where they isolated the active chemicals and applied it sublingually so, so no one could smell it. And the brain instantly goes down into this more relaxed fetus state, um, which is beneficial to us. And during our sessions, we actually do use a combination of a few different scents, which we've selected for their scientific backing of being able to pull the brain into more of a state that we desire. And so we're, within the group sessions, we're able to pull on a couple of other extra things to just give that experience an extra little lift and an extra little boost. You said uh, you are skeptical uh, engineers. Um, so yeah. this question maybe to out there. Um, but so I did, and this is about a group session uh, specifically, but so I did ayahuasca and in other psychedelic experiences, um, kind of things like telepathy and um, there's just interacting with other people in a way which is interesting and different. I don't know how to describe yeah. it. Um, but does that occur yeah. in the group sessions at all? So we haven't really had many reports of it so far. No. Um, we are open to that idea and interested in it. Um, all of these things fascinate me. Um, I, we say we're skeptical, but we'd also like to think ourselves as incredibly open with that skepticism. Um, we, we want to see evidence before we'll believe it, but we're happy to go and look for evidence yeah. on almost anything. And we don't think that just because there isn't evidence, it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, so... We haven't seen anything yet, um, but we haven't actually been able to run that many group sessions because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So I, we don't have that many data points in terms of what's gone on there. No. Um, so I hope that 
answers that for you. It does. But it is yeah. it is something it is something deeply fascinating. Um but yeah, and, and kind of a long term, not not any time in the in the in the near future for the app, being able to run like live sessions where you can do sessions at the same time as other people. And that would then kind of be a, an awesome platform to start like looking a little bit more and starting to find if there is anything that then becomes shared within if you create a shared experience across yeah not across, not just within the same room but across across the globe whether there is any similarity within the experience because yeah there is something kind of very very interesting about that point yeah and on that i think so one of the discussions that we've got had going with imperial recently um was whether we could start integrating that so they're running the psychedelic survey at the moment and that's just coming to conclusion. It basically surveys loads of different psychedelic experiences. And we're in discussions with them about integrating an element of that within the app to gather just loads and loads of data points on these sort of psychedelic or semi-psychedelic experiences. And that would be a really fascinating yeah. thing to do within that, try and see whether we can collect data to talk to that um, effect, because it's something that a lot of people talk about. To my knowledge, there isn't that much evidence within the science works scientific world at the moment but it'd be great if it was something that we could start contributing towards and bringing that discussion forwards hmm. yeah i think even some um meditation apps that i use sometimes have uh an option to set up a live like group session with people from all over the place and yeah. e even though there's you're not really interacting with them there there is um I think there is a there is a benefit simply to knowing that you're as you're practicing as a group. Completely, um, yeah. Even without the interaction. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm yeah, gonna. Yeah. Not coding to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask another weird question as well. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know why I'm phrasing it in these terms. Um, but so one of the mainstays of psychedelic experiences and psychedelic studies is kind of religious experiences and the classical mystical experience which would maybe just be described as kind of full ego dissolution potentially and so and also in the kind of therapeutic studies on studies of depression often it's found that it's the mystical experience itself that can lead to the most benefits so can yeah. you kind of have that full-blown mystical experience with the app? Only for yeah. iPhone, the new iPhone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're actually salespeople for iPhone. Now. That's, it's, all, it's all a fancy cover, yeah. Um, but um, so I've definitely had experiences where certain geometries have taken a personified form and where they've represented people within my life and things and things on that sense where I would almost go as far as to describe them as becoming entities representing that person um, to me as a engineer and scientist I see that as my brain personifying them but I can see equally how that can be seen as the sort of mystical experience on that side um, there's we've had numerous reports of people people sort of reaching a, a stage of a visual where they sort of call it full absorption into an alternate dimension. Um, and had a few other people reporting um, 
these sort of entity like um where things have come through yeah and and we've also had some really quite powerful experiences we've had multiple people kind of um crying during the experience so um one girl who she was um she was crying and we were like moderating the session and we were like i hope she's okay um but it was she was crying kind of tears of joy and she just had this like wonderful experience that just kind of gave her confidence that what she was doing um was she was on the right track and i guess that wasn't it's it wasn't like the typical kind of um mystical experience but it was an incredibly moving experience that was driven by the kind of visuals and the feeling of of the light experience yeah and it would it would also be really fascinating so most of the audience that we've run these sessions with um would probably class themselves as either atheist or agnostic um it would be fascinating to see what happens if that gets when it, well when that gets broadened out to include people who already have a religious background and whether that brings that out to a, a greater degree or a lesser mm. degree. Um, but I would say, yes, the, these mystical type experiences are definitely possible. I wouldn't say that they're the most common experiences that people have. Um, and a lot of the time, the value that people get is often from these sort of more personification type experiences or these emotional type experiences, as opposed to anything that would be religious or mystical but yeah. we have had occasions where people have described the these more mystical things and where people have described having to completely release their ego into it and having the sort of classic thing of that uncomfortable can, can i step away from my ego and self and fall into this experience and we have had numerous reports of that as well mm -hmm. um so i would say yes they're possible and but no, we don't have enough data on them at the moment to show whether they are the thing that drives the most value. Yeah, I think that's true. That's true. Have you had a chance to um, do any more kind of longitudinal um, report reporting back um, to see how this has kind of um, impacted people maybe weeks or I don't know how long these experiences yeah going but in terms of afterglow and kind of impacting their life further down yeah. the road yeah so at the moment we've got obviously so we, we haven't got a very wide testing pool so to be able to pull quantitative data is quite difficult and um, that's something that we're starting to work on at the moment we've focused all of our quantitative quantitative analysis on the sort of experience itself and optimizing for yeah, dropping the sense of the ego, body, visuals, all of that side of things. And then we've been more qualitative on the the impacts and the after effects. And I would say out of the people that we've spoken to, the vast majority have had some significant impact and change in their life based off the experiences they'd had either using the app or using the group um, light. Um, I think on our post-feedback surveys, which go out 24 hours after the group light experience, I think there's only one person who hasn't reported some change in their understanding. Um, so we are having some impact, and we're now really starting to look at that further horizon, trying to gain quantit quantitative data on that um, impact side of things. So, okay, great. So that's 24 hours later, but what about a week later, a month later? Um, and that's what we're now starting to look towards and start to optimize for. 
and something that once we've got the app up and running, we're really going to be fascinated in trying to understand all these data points and how we can maximize that, how the intention setting exercises and the integration elements can, there, can be turned up to really boost that level of impact and value that gets delivered to people. Um, on the afterglow side, I think the most clear report that we had was actually from my mum, who had her very first psychedelic-like experience using our group light. Um, she'd never been involved in anything like this in her life, and what she visited, and I persuaded her to sit down in front of it and have a go. Um, and during it, she thought it was really interesting and enjoyable. Um, but it was actually, she said, the most valuable moment was a couple of days later. So she lives in France and she was driving back down and she just felt like this deep feeling of calm and contentment. And she actually rang me up afterwards to tell me that for her anyway, she'd attributed that to the experience that she'd had with the light. Um, obviously, this is just a single anecdotal mm. piece of evidence. And it's an interesting data point for something that we'd love to do more research into to see whether there's this continued effect. Um, I think the one that's in the shorter term very clear for a lot of people is virtually every single person reports feeling really calm and relaxed afterwards, almost like you would after a deep meditation. And we've had numerous reports of people actually having way better night's sleep if they've used the app that evening. Um, we've actually, within the app, are starting to develop a sleep session as well which hinges on this and tries to push for this sleep side of things whilst also getting people to reflect on their personal growth journeys going into this sleep phase. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the longer term stuff, we've got reports, we've got anecdotes, we want to get data. Yeah, that's great. That, that sounds really promising. Um, it's lovely to hear about your mum as well. I think it's yeah. great to have, just have a little, even if it is anecdotal, just to have that yeah so maybe wouldn't be seeking something like that and it probably hasn't had the kind of experience but to then come out and say yeah it's had that effect yeah. and I think within that as well one really interesting observation on the same story of my mum being involved with this um since that experience she has been constantly telling me oh i watched this talk by robin carhart harris or this talk by ben sessa and all okay. of these different things and it's to me that's another really important thing that we can do within this space um i do not see us at any point replacing traditional psychedelic therapy i see the work we're doing as another tool within that tool set that mm. therapists could use and um, that people can use to add to it but it also gives a really accessible point. I mean, people like my mum who wouldn't want to take a classic psychedelic, even within a therapeutic environment, suddenly have this far lowered threshold of, oh, do you want to have a go at this app? And if you don't like it, you can turn it away at any moment and it'll stop. Mm. And that really gives up, because right now we've got the world of the psychedelic renaissance up here and then the world of people who are saying no down there and it gives a little stepping stone to help get people on board and help people see that these aren't just sort of fun wild experiences and that they can actually have value for people and start having that conversation um, and yeah start driving and hopefully contributing towards the wider movement through that i am definitely gonna get my parents to do it um because yeah it so we'll finish soon by the way guys um like no worries. Worries. it's been a great chat 
Um, so part of the reason I am very excited about what you guys are doing is, so obviously psychedelics are currently illegal, like difficult to get. And also that Ill illegality puts people off who might yeah. otherwise try them. And then meditation, med like meditation, people are lazy, including myself. I mean myself, basically. But like um, me meditation is is hard to stick at yeah. for many people. And the results are not, the results take a long time. And for a long time, nothing happens. And so it, people get put off it. And so why this is so great is because it's on people's phone and everyone has a phone and it's just, there's no effort for the person and there's no illegality. And so, and me and Jake on this podcast are always saying, meditation, psychedelics, helpful things. And, but then you can say that to someone, but most of the time they nod and say either, yeah, sounds interesting, but then nothing happens. Or they just say, no, it's illegal and stupid. But then with this, so that's why I'm excited because this can help. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah and, that's, and that's amazing to hear because that is kind of one of the key benefits we see this that yeah there's no effort required and it's you seamlessly go into this state so no that's amazing to hear. yeah because i think from our side of things one thing we always wanted to push is that you aren't you can't do it wrong like we wanted to create something where if it's not working it's our fault either we haven't instructed you right we haven't designed it right we want this to be something that is completely effortless for people to achieve for these reasons um, but there are alternatives out there, but they require these huge amounts of dedication. And and, we've, and that is a pro, pro in some respects. And again, we don't see ourselves as replacing meditation either, because there's massive advantages of that dedication and of that commitment to it, which we, we offer something slightly different. Um, but yeah, the ability to instantaneously enter this altered state where you can start exploring your thoughts in this way is something that, yeah, we've been, has been sort of our main goal so it's great to hear that you are hearing that and getting yeah. that and excited <laughs> by that absolutely yeah it sounds like a great jumping off point for anyone who is maybe interested but maybe cautious about meditation or like i went on a seven day or a 10 day silent meditation and it yeah. was great but <clears throat> nine out of ten people that i tell that to are horrified by the idea <laughs> and similar, similar when Ricky talks about an ayahuasca trip, it sounds everyone yeah. kind of whoa. <laughs> but yeah, you know, say, look, yeah. here's an app. Here are the kind of data points. Here's the research. Here's what's here's what it is. Now have a go. I think I think that's something really important, and it's it's come at a great time. Um, yeah, well. yeah. Thank you. And I think another point with the app as well that again pushes towards that accessibility. I think one major worry that people have with classic psychedelics is the wait how long am I locked in for sort of situation yeah, um, sure. and with the app you can at any point turn the phone away from you and it stops um, which is something that I think for my mum especially um, during our group sessions we actually have we give people um, eye masks and we recommend if it's their first time there they just keep the eye mask on their forehead and that means that if at any point they feel uncomfortable scared 
something's coming up that they don't want to deal with in that moment, although we do encourage people to try and take those things on because we see great benefit. But if it's too much for you at that point, you can just slide that eye mask down and you're out of the experience. Um, and I think that is a huge comfort to people that allows people who traditionally wouldn't be in this space to start going, oh, OK, then, you know what? Yeah. If I'm if I'm completely in control, that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when when can we expect it? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, and I guess to frame an answer, we're currently we've started. So we started three weeks ago on iOS development. And that's meant we've had to learn a whole new coding language and a whole new um, ecosystem, really. And we're getting, we're probably, we're a couple of weeks away, maybe just over a week away, a couple of weeks away from um, the alpha version of iOS, which we're, we're really excited to be to be going with because the, the strobe accuracy looks really good. So that'll be launched within our kind of small testing community. Um, and then the real launch of the, phone, of the app for Android and iOS, it should be early 2021, um, right. which, yeah. We're really yeah. excited for, and it's, yeah, and we can't believe how quickly and how far we've come since, yeah, since the start of lockdown, really. Yeah, and it's probably also worth adding that if people do want to get involved earlier than that, and if they're starting to get itchy yeah. feet, um, we have a Patreon page where you can actually sign up and join our testing community. Mm. Um, so right now we're at beta testing phase on Android. Yeah. So any sort, of, any sort of group of 10 pounds or above per month, gets you involved in the beta testing group. Um, and on iOS, we'll soon be launching the alpha one, which will be 20 pounds or above, but then that'll roll down to beta as well, which will be the 10 pounds. Um, so if anyone really wants to check it out imminently, yeah. join our Patreon. Join our Patreon. You can find us just searching Patreon and Illuminate and you'll get there. Definitely. Well, we'll have a link to it as well so people can okay. check Thanks, it out. Thank you guys. Maybe just say your website name again as well. Yeah, so that's luminategrowth.com. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for your time today, right. guys. And yeah, sorry again for rearranging twice. Um, nah, it's, all good. All good. it's all good. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thanks, yeah, guys. very happy we could do this. And yeah, great. I'm very yeah. excited. Nah. Yeah. Keep up the good work, please. We're... Thank you. No, it was awesome right. to chat. Thank you, Vogue. Thank you very much. like for breakfast.